our dining halls closed for about six weeks. And I'm responsible to, uh, for each guy's meal, and I do not know how to cook, so that was not a good matchup. And uh, so we started working, my wife started working with the staff, and we've had different people involved, uh, ladies and men, and it's just been like the biggest blessing of all time. Um, for me, it's important that I'm getting my guys into church. I know our guys appreciate it, and it definitely has an impact um, that they just see these ladies and men that are just serving them and they don't even know them. And that is, uh, means a lot to me too. You know, coming here over here to First Christian for lunch and dinners has been great. You know, everyone's so kind and nice and, and they're so quick to help uh, Sandra. She loves us and it's so nice having that presence here and, um, you know, feeling loved and, and supported like that in the community, it's great. One thing I love about coming here for meals is that we start every meal with a prayer. Just seeing that um, as an opportunity to share the love of Christ with them um, has been a true blessing. Uh, just knowing that they're coming to a secure place where we can come together as a family, as a team, um, and just really grow together um, and ultimately grow relationships um, with the Lord, um, which above all, I think that's our ultimate goal. And I can't think of a better uh, word to describe this than just fellowship. I can't think of anything that describes fellowship better than just eating, enjoying each other's presence, um, just having a good time with each other. Good morning, everyone. It's great to have you here today. And uh, I would like to, before we even get started in the message, there is a significant group of people that serve the Millican men, um, and it's a long period. It's a lot of weeks, and it's usually two meals a day, and uh, I just want to, can you thank all the people who get involved in that? As a matter of fact, when you leave worship today, um, you're going to smell lunch being prepared for the guys. It's at two o'clock, so, and if you'd like to help out in the kitchen, we'd be glad if you'd step up and say, hey, I'd like to get to know the Millican basketball players, and let me tell you, as a staff member, them preparing two meals a day is a brilliant thing, because there's always little snacky things you can find when you go down to the kitchen, so anyways. Well, welcome again to First Christian Church. Um, to those who are in the East Auditorium and here in the West, we're very glad that you're with us today. To those watching online, it's a great pleasure to have you here at First Christian Church, and um, participating in the life of our church. For guests, let me introduce myself. My name is Wayne, and I'm part of the pastoral team, and I'm glad you're here. We're going to look today at the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12, if you're unfamiliar with Romans. It's almost to the end of the Bible, and uh, I invite you to grab a Bible. If you don't have one that you own, or it's not on your smartphone or tablet, whatever the case, uh, there's one in the pew rack in the West Auditorium, in the East Auditorium. There's somebody rolling around with some carts of full of Bibles. We'd be honored if you'd take that home as our gift to you if you don't own one, all right? Romans chapter 12, that's where we're going to read, and we'll look forward to spending some time there. Before we get to though, I want you to take a look at a photo on all the screens and um, see if you could figure out what the story is behind it. It's from Gravesend, Great Britain. It would tell a story of some sort, right? Can you figure out what the story might be? Maybe you've got the story down pat, or at least some dynamics of the story. Some riot or problem has a, you know, developed in the city, in the village. And the police have been called in to quell the disturbance. You can see the rioters, the riot gear, the, um, the fire, the, the uh, policeman on horseback, the trashed car. 
And you go, okay, what's the story behind it? Well, actually, can I tell you, friends, there's no story there at all. It's not a riot at all. Gravesend is a real town in Great Britain, right in the very center of the country. But the photos, what you see there, are from a portion of Gravesend that's all fake. It's a training ground for the police forces of Great Britain. It's outside the town, the real town of Gravesend, and there are blocks of houses and shops, and there's all kinds of streets there. And there's even an underground railroad simulating a commuter subway station so that the police can learn how to work in a real city. So in other words, they practice in the fake town in order to know how to respond to the real cities where they live. But Gravesend in and of itself is fake. And it reminds me of my task today. And that is to help us as a congregation define the, um, the characteristics of not a fake church, one that just looks the part, but more so the characteristics of a real church with real people stepping, if you will, away from some facsimile or some substitute, some fake version of a church. What's, inquir- what's required of a congregation to make sure it's not just a facade with people looking and saying, oh, that's the church. How do we be certain that we really are the church? What's the real deal? Some of you may be familiar with this. If you can, put your, can you try this with me? Put your hands together like this. Do you know what this does? Okay, you don't get to put your hands like this. You've got to put them like this. Where's this going to go, right? You go, here's the church, here's the steeple. What do you do next? Open the doors and there's all the people, right? And it's a great little thing to kind of keep your kids entertained in church, if you will, in worship and so forth. Some of you, what? I've never done that before. So you've got to put your fingers like this. Here's the steeple. Here's the door, open the doors, and there's all the people, right? And what I want to spend some time with you today is, what's with all these people in here? Who are they? How do they relate to one another? And how do they, or more importantly, how do we, as members of the body of Christ, how do we do life together in in a real church? And as pastor, as you may have heard already, we're starting a series today that's the start of a new year of preaching and teaching. We're going to learn what it means to be devoted together to both Jesus and to others. In other words, um, the goal of this series is to do this, is to answer this question. What does it mean to be the church, capital C, in a local setting like a congregation? We're going to spend some next four weeks looking at that. And to help you begin to understand that, you'll notice in your program today, there was a sheet that looks like this, and I'd invite you to take it out, because I have an assignment for you, if you don't mind, all right? On this sheet, front and back, you see the basic building blocks of our ministry and life together. It's got a mission statement, it's got some core values, and then it's got a statement of faith. In other words, it says, this is how we do church life, and this is what we believe. You'll see things on here such as, we believe that Jesus Christ is the only Son of God, the only way to salvation. We would say, you'll find stuff on here that we believe the Scriptures, the Bible, is our, that's our final authority on everything we do. And what we believe here informs what we do together as a church. But I need to tell you, we are not per se going to be looking at each, particular the statement of faith, we're not going to be looking at all those statements throughout the next four weeks because we've done that in sermon series in the past. But what I would like to invite you to do is to, this week and in the week ahead, beyond that perhaps, may take you two or three weeks to do this, look at all those statements and then you'll see there are some passages from scripture that are listed there. And I'd like you to, here's your assignment, look at those passages of scripture and see how those passages of scripture inform and shape 
the various statements that are made there. Because I, I want to be certain that you grab a hold of the importance of those statements of faith, that statement of faith, and that you don't assume or pre, uh, don't go this way. Don't by any means think that the fact that we're not going to unpack all of those in this series, don't let you, I don't want you to think that they're not important and that they're not related to what it means to be devoted together. Instead, they are really who we are as a church, and I'd invite you to unpack that a little bit in your home. One of the things you can see on that sheet is our mission statement that says that we as a congregation, we, we, it's our mission to develop devoted followers of Jesus Christ by growing and serving together. And that's the language we use today. It's fairly contemporary language. I mean, we, it's been the mission, that's been our stated mission now for more than a decade. But I'm quite aware that that mission, while it's in that sort of language that works in the, you know, in the 21st century, that's not new to the life of our church as a whole. As a matter of fact, our congregation is 183 years old. We have a history that goes back all the way to 1843. And as I've read the history and looked through minutes of board meetings and committee meetings and all sorts of stuff from years gone by, decades, hundreds of years gone by, um, you, you hear the same thing coming over and over again. How can we, as the congregation called First Christian Indicator, how can we help people to grow and to serve together? It's one of the reasons why we... we, we um, well, I, I, let me put it this way. Have you seen, if you, if you go out through the outer lobby of the church, so not in the atrium side, but on the side over by the office where the portico is, if you go out into the portico, you'll notice there's an outer lobby there, and there's a cornerstone, a big rock that sits there in the corner. And you go, what's with that? Well, that, in, in June of 1996, on a hot summer afternoon, we worked like the Dickens to get all the cement around that thing loose from the building that we had downtown Decatur and been there in that building since 1913. And we wanted to bring that cornerstone with us intentionally because we wanted the people of today, you and me, to be reminded whenever we walk in the building through those doors that this church wasn't just created recently. That we are standing on the shoulders, we're leaning into the lives and the ministries of hundreds upon hundreds of people who've gone before us. That we are part of a ministry legacy that should the second coming of Jesus Christ be stalled further yet, then there'll be another generation that comes after us who will also work on the church's ministry and legacy and will continue to be a congregation that causes people to be devoted followers of Jesus Christ by growing and serving together. They may use language a hundred years from now that's different than what we use, but for what, the intent is the same. Because here's what I know about this church for its history and even where we are today, that we see all kinds of people come here and really they come, some of them deep followers of Jesus Christ, Perhaps you're here today and you're exploring faith and you don't know what it means, and, but you come to worship and you go, what's going on? Well, I have this conviction that regardless of your status as Christian or non-Christian, there's something here that attracts you here and you're here today because worship centers your life. It, it stabilizes your relationship. It, it, it quiets the noise of your soul. It recognizes your hopes. And it helps you to get ready for the way in which you want to live this coming week as a follower of Jesus Christ, or at least someone who would emulate him. Even if you would say, oh, I'm not there yet. I would think you are here today because you say, I want to be a better person in the coming week than I was in the last week. And I, somehow the God's connected to that. 
People would say that to varying degrees. And our goal as a congregation is to help you become a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Because I'm convinced that if you do want to be better this week, the best way you can fulfill that is the best way you can have the best moments for the days ahead is through Jesus Christ. It's through him that we have our best moments now and in the future, even while we acknowledge his forgiveness of our past. And Romans 12 speaks about how that all relates to one to another, one person to another. And so we're going to read there today and see how the people within the church are to live together, how they're to bring out the best of each other, how they're to do life. Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 3, we read this. Paul the Apostle is writing. The writings are about 2,000 years old, okay? And he says this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, so based on this grace that I've received, based on how I understand God's worked in my life, here's, here's some advice. Here's some life approaches. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has distributed to each of you. So what's he saying? Okay, so I've received grace, and based on the way in which I've received grace, I, 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 this is what I've learned. Don't think of yourself more highly than you are. Don't get conceited. Don't think you're, man, I, I, am, I, I am a, well, as Liz used to say, a bag of chips and beyond all that. You didn't say that. Somebody we knew used to say that. You're all that in a bag of chips. She's just dying right now. Bless her heart. Y'all pray for her. She has to live with me. In other words, don't think you're all that. But on the other hand, don't think you're mud either. Because think of yourself with sober judgment. Take a look at who you are. Who are you? Well, you are someone who God loves so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. In other words, God's given you grace. Think of yourself in accordance with the measure of faith you've been given. You've been given grace, so you're not mud. You are, in fact, someone who is loved by God. Have a realistic view of who you are. We are people of value, and our value is not based on the fact that we think of ourselves as being up here or down here, but that we have a deep, deep, seated understanding that God loves us so much that Jesus Christ came. And then based on that, what should we do? Verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, okay, we all have a physical body with arms and legs and toes and ears and noses and so forth, and just as we each have one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, you know, your hand does something different than your foot, which does something different than your ears, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And here's how this plays out. Here's the way in which this is given an indication of how some are noses, some are hands, some are feet, so forth and so on. We each have different gifts. This is part of the listing in Scripture of spiritual gifts. We each have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. And here's what some of the gifts are. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. In other words, if you, get, if you do that well, if the Holy Spirit has given you the ability to do that, then start about speaking what God has you to speak. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, if you have some abilities when it comes to teaching, then you better get after it with everything you've got because that's your role, that's your job. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And in other words, 
The lives within the body of Christ are intertwined. We belong to each other. It really is a case. It's not just a kid's game, but it's actually really strong theology. Here's the steeple, open the doors, and there's all the people, and our lives are intertwined. As a matter of fact, if you were to see, in the case of a human body, a finger off by itself, you'd go, there's a problem, right? No, we'd say, if, if you, you, we're supposed to be doing life together, and this is the metaphor that Paul is using. He's talking about a body. And a body has organic connections. If a foot decides to leave the body, it dies. Because somehow or other, for a foot or a finger or an ear or an, even an appendix to remain alive and viable, it has to be connected to a body. And if a foot, if you found a foot off by itself, wouldn't you say, we've got a problem here? Houston, we have a problem. You'd, say, you'd call the police, right? Well, if you, are you familiar with these stories that keep happening out in the Pacific Northwest? Are you familiar with what's going on out there of late about these feet that are washing up on shore in British Columbia and in Washington State? Right? There's the two um, states and provinces or the two nations border one another. They wash up on the beach. This is coming out of the Washington Post. Uh, seven feet still inside shoes keep mysteriously washing up on the Pacific Northwest shores. Are you kidding me? We've been, I've been following this story on direct line since 2007 is when the first one showed up. Since 2007 through to the end of last year, 16 different feet, just a foot, have shown up on the shores of either northern Washington State or southern British Columbia coast. They wash ashore. Um, most of them have been right feet go figure, and all of them, all 16 of them, are either encased inside a running shoe or a hiking boot. I can see some go, what's with that? And you, the reason you're going, this is really strange, this is odd, the reason it's made the news every time this comes up to the point where I, I kind of am aware of it now is because, frankly, it's a wee bit out of the norm, isn't it? Just a wee bit out of the norm for every foot show up. A foot showing up on the beach in a running shoe all by itself is not normal. Usually the police come, you would think. The reason it makes its news and we're interested in it is because it's detached. It's not right. And if that's the kind of metaphor that Paul is using when it comes to the body should be working together, if we're followers of Jesus Christ, then why would anyone choose to forego life within the body and say, I'm going to be out here by myself instead of like this? Because regardless of a Christian's maturity level, new to Christ, long decades with Christ, Scripture is very clear about this. Scripture indicates that the followers of Jesus Christ are to be connected together. And if a disconnection comes along, there's a problem. It's a foot washing up on the shores of British Columbia. That's not right. That's why our mission statement clearly speaks of growing and serving together. It's about personal growth. It's about personal service, but all within the context of life together. And I, I know it's, that's, who are we kidding? That's messy and it's complicated and it's wonderful at the same times and then it's perplexing and it's intertwined and convoluted and it's productive and then sometimes it's not and I get all that but regardless of the experience it's not the experience that's what's important but what do we believe? We believe that we serve a God who calls us to connectedness and to one another and we have to work it out.
So what we're going to be doing during the next few weeks of this series is we're going to be asking you to evaluate your relationship to the other people in the body of Christ, and particularly to this congregation. We're going to ask you, perhaps some of you for the first time, for others it might be a, 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 something that's been in play for a long, many decades. We're going to say, are you part of the body called First Christian Church? Some of you are perhaps going to say, I'm not ready to say yes. Fair enough, that may be the case. But we're going to ask everybody to consider that. Who are you and how do you relate to this congregation called First Christian Church? Some of you say, oh, Wayne, you're just trying to push the membership. You're just trying to get more people on the rolls. No, that's not the case. Because very clearly, our congregation understands and values this sort of relationship, these covenantal relationships. We value that much more than anyone's name on a membership role. Because I'm aware that our culture is suspicious of membership within clubs. People, people these days say, I, I don't want to belong to things or institutions. And you see how this has played out in lots of organizations in our community and organizations all around the world. I mean, this, in the past 50 years, there's been this dramatic decrease in the membership roles of all sorts of organizations. Empirical data is beyond, shows beyond the shadow of a doubt that things like um, organizations like fraternal orders and civic clubs and social organizations, even nightclubs and bowling alleys, all of them have had a precipitous membership decline. I, um, in doing some research for this, I was reminded of one f organization that has buildings usually in every city, if not most towns, and even some smaller villages around the nation. And they have these buildings that are worth, today, collectively, untold millions of dollars, and they've got it all tied up in physical assets. Any idea who I might be talking about? Masonic, Masonic lodges all around the country. And whether or not you agree with what they do or not, do I, I'm, I'm not trying to get into that. What, I'm, what I am pointing out to you, though, is that the Masons, in 1959, had four million members across the United States. Today, they number less than one and a half million. And if you know anything about the Masons, most of them, I was doing some additional discoveries over the weekend, most of them, the average age is over 80. So in 10 years from now, how are those organizations gonna survive? Here's, here's what's obvious to me, and if you think about our culture, people of today's generation are not interested in belonging. I don't want to belong to organizations. I mean, that even includes churches. So for us to conduct a membership drive would be, um, could we say, counterproductive and frankly foolish. That's why our mission statement is never about membership, but it's about growing and serving together because it's not, you know, what First Christian Church wants from you, but more so what the congregation hopes, hopes for you. We can't, we can't deny what the culture is saying around us. That traditional ownership is something that many within our culture simply reject. They don't want to own things. I mean, think of Uber, okay? Uber is the largest taxi cab firm in the world. Millions upon millions of people get rides in Uber cabs every day. How many cabs does Uber own? Zero. They own zero cabs. People don't want to own. It's, it's out now. How are people going to relate and they can use without owning? I was understanding this week that some libraries now have gone to all kinds of things that you can borrow. Because people don't want to own things, but they're willing to borrow. 
Not only can you borrow books these days from libraries, but CDs, of course, DVDs. Now you can borrow computers. There's a library in the country that's, even that's not renting, but you can borrow weed whackers. Okay, you don't have to own it anymore. Just borrow it for a little while. And the libraries are trying to think, how can we serve versus being served? It even plays out, this business of not wanting to own anything, plays out in the way in which people think of their careers. I don't want to own a career where I'm going to commit myself for 45 years to one either career track or even one company. I want to try this for a few years, and once I'm kind of done with that, I'll try this for a few years, and that for a few years, and we are different. That's the way our culture works. And so congregations, if they're going to respond to the culture, while maintaining a biblical worldview, don't, mis don't misunderstand me, this stuff is what is the building blocks of our church. But congregations that want to re respond to the culture while maintaining a, world, a biblical worldview have to rethink their membership practices. And we did that here at First Christian many, many years ago now. We stopped talking about membership from a sense of belonging or, or ownership and stepped into this Romans 12 model of a covenantal relationship, one-on-one, -on -one, one to each other. It's not about belonging to an organization, but relating to each other and to other people. So in that light, this series then, by the time we get to the end of it, we're going to suggest something new for our congregation. You're going to hear it from the preaching team that we're asking you to consider something that we've never done here at First Christian Church before. Namely, that on the fourth weekend of the series, that's going to be February 4th and 5th, we're going to be asking you to consider to participating in a covenant relationship event. Because here's the question we'll be asking. What part do you play at First Christian Church and are you part of First Christian Church? So what we'll do in this event is we're going to say, are we in relationship together? We'll pray together, and then there'll be a covenant form, frankly, for you to complete, indicating that you're part of the life of the church and the church is part of you, and there'll be some things you can take home to remember that and kind of mark this as a sealed day. For some, I, I have to acknowledge, I, I'm not silly, for some it's going to feel like, well, it's like a membership event. Because you, you're not a member now, but through this event, you will officially, if you will, state that this is your church. For others, it will simply be an affirmation of some membership process you've moved through a number of months ago, or maybe six decades ago, because we have some people who've been here for six decades or more. But be mindful, the language in all of this is about covenantal relationship. We want to know, how are we doing with this? Because frankly, we have in years past, had lots and lots of people in the membership roles who were not part of the life of the church. That didn't make sense. And now we have a lot of people who are involved in the life of the church who are not on the membership roles, and that's okay too. But I'm trying to say, where are we, how are we doing this together? And so what we are asking you to consider then as we get involved in this February 4th and 5th is some ways to, if you will, uh, help us with two things here in the life of our church. First, by doing this together, the leadership teams will have a better understanding of who we are responsible to, who's our boss, if you will, the congregation, who we're responsible to and who we're responsible for. When the hospital calls and they say so-and-so is in the, in the hospital and we go, we've never heard of them, that's not a good thing. It's even worse when the funeral director calls and says so-and-so has died and we've never heard of that. That's not good either, if you know what I mean. 
No, what we want to say is that we, this business of knowing who we are responsible to and for is part of a covenantal relationship. It's an intertwining of lives and plans and failures and hopes and dreams and successes. And I'm quite aware that on the second part of that, there will be some who choose to forego stepping into that, if you will, official relationship with the church. But we're still going to ask you for some information about, some basic information about your life and what you expect from First Christian. Here's why, one of the reasons why. Our database in the life of this church is very, very inaccurate. We know that. We know there are some 2,000 people who attend on a regular basis. We have 11,000 people in our database who have attended the church over the years. And um, many people we don't have any information on. And maybe that's you we don't have any information about, how we could reach you. And if we're in a covenantal relationship with even 2,000 people, or at the very least, if we're in a worshiping community together, then our leadership and office teams need to have a better grasp of everyone's information. So we're going to ask everybody to at least complete some portions of that form. And if you say, hey, I'm not ready to relate to the church officially in some sort of covenantal way, that's okay. But we'll still ask for some information from you. And um, at that point, you could just choose to forego the relational portion of it. And I know some of you go, man, what's all this about? This is really, I've got to figure this out. Well, we're going to talk about the implications of this in the coming weekends before we get to February 4th and 5th. And I'm hoping we'll answer your questions. And frankly, I'm hoping you have questions. Because if you're going to step into a relationship with someone that's a covenant, that's a promise, if you will, one to the other, you should have some questions. And we'll do our best to answer them from the stage in the coming weekends. And uh, we'll work on this together. Because here's the bottom line for us, friends. Here's the bottom line. This congregation is no longer the church we used to be in terms of our profile in the community. I mean, we're not a small church anymore. It's not the church that, uh, when Les and I came here, was significantly under 200 people called themselves First Christian Church. We're not that way anymore. And our profile and our impact is far greater than many of us ever dreamed in the past. And I gotta say, all that's to God's glory. We are blessed beyond measure. But that blessing, friends, if you're part of this, that blessing that you've received also demands a greater responsibility and accountability. You know how Jesus said this? He said, from everyone who has been given much, much more will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, that's us, much more will be asked. I believe that since we have been blessed by God beyond measure and beyond what other congregations have experienced, then we have to act accordingly. We have to take all our people and we have to say, are we helping our people become devoted followers of Jesus Christ? How is the church doing in that project? And the the heat is on, frankly. I feel that responsibility tremendously for your life before God. And so if you're part of the life of this church, regardless of your membership status per se, I want to tell you, there's a task in front of you and of us. That task is about how we reach this community for the sake of Jesus Christ. That task that is in front of us is how we relate to one another and how we decide to be individuals who become devoted followers of Jesus Christ by serving and growing together. How I know there's some chatting about this that's going to have to take place. You have to listen and pray and discuss, ask questions in the coming weeks, and we'll step into this deeper covenant together. And I'm quite convinced 
that coming out of all of this will be a church of much greater beauty than we were walking into it. Because we'll have figured out some things that maybe need to be figured out given just who we are today. We, we can't rest on the laurels of the past. What's in front of us and where are we going? So I'm convinced we're going to create something of great beauty in the days ahead. And to that, I, 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 maybe I'll explain it this way as we close. I want you to take a look at a tremendous scene. It's going to be some video on the screens. You know, I've had the opportunity to be in, in the ocean many times, but I've never scuba dived. But even the many times that I've been there, you get a snorkel and a mask, and you see scenes that are beyond description. And there are fish and coral and plants. They're all amazingly beautiful, just like what you see here. But perhaps not exactly like what you see here. Because what you see there is not the ocean. It's actually a 10,000-gallon aquarium in the living room. Catch me in the living room of an Israeli man by the name of Eli Fruchter. And you can go out on YouTube and you can see all these videos of what Eli does. He built it in his house, had to put special foundations in, he has a filtration system in the basement, he has another one on top of the roof, and um, maintaining it correctly, he's gotta get after it every day to create that place, that thing of beauty. He's gotta really work at it, and including once a week he has to go down to the beach and he collects 250 gallons of fresh seawater to bring it back to the aquarium. Now I'm thrilled for Ellie. I suppose it's his hobby. Maybe it's more than a hobby. I think it's all life-consuming if you're going to be doing that every day. But fair enough. But I do wonder about the fish from time to time. I mean, at first glance, you thought you were looking at footage from somebody scuba diving in the bottom of the ocean. We tried to get, do that for you on purpose. But in fact, you were, in reality, sitting in Ellie's living room watching the fish swim by the glass. And what I wonder about is, from time to time, do the fish ever wonder what it's like out in the real ocean? Because they're far removed from the ocean, right? Their lives are constricted and controlled in ways that, oh, yeah, they're living and so forth and so on, but their lives are completely artificial. They are disconnected from the rest of the ocean undersea world. Hear me, friends, our church will never promote that sort of approach to Christian living. Scripture plainly states we are connected. We are the church. Here's the steeple. Here's the doors. Look inside and there's all the people. We are in the place where we are today because God in his grace has put us here and we will live and move and have our being through our connections in Jesus Christ and with one another. And when we do that, then it won't be some fake beauty. It won't be just some facade. It won't be just a glass that's put inside someone's house to make it look nice. No. True beauty, the true church of Jesus Christ called First Christian Church will be seen and will be demonstrated in this community. Let's pray together to that end. God, for everyone here today, for those online, I pray, Lord, for men and women and kids and young people. God, we, 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 we really do want to, um, we want to serve you. And uh, our deepest desire, even on the days where we complain about it, our deepest desire is to be devoted to you. As a congregation, Father, help us to walk that out and to uh, help us to, to find ways to express that, both from a corporate point of view, from all of us together, but then also for each of us as individuals. And Lord, there are people here with varying degrees of spiritual maturity. 
or at least maturity in terms of their walk with you. I pray, God, that you would call us all into a devoted relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And God, if there are some today who don't know you, may they come to a realization of their need for you through Jesus. And then, Lord, for those of us who are Christians, give us a sense of what the days ahead might be like and how we can relate to one another in a relationship that's right and true and healthy and proper and has um, some accountability in what we do for each other and, if you will, even to each other. God, may our congregation be the church you want us to be, member uh, at one body with every every portion uh, involved as, a, as scripture says one member to another a hand to a foot to a nose to, a, to an ear and we're going to do that through our relationships God and we pray this in Christ's name